Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. When you get there, find verse 11. And let's uh, talk this morning about the blessings of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. Paul is writing, and I'm kind of jumping in the middle of the chapter here on giving that Paul's talking about. He's having this conversation with his church, and he brings in a whole nother church as well. And he says in verse 11, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. And then there will be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Let's pray together, okay? Father, this morning, as your people, we've gathered in your house, Lord, and we've sung songs to praise you and worship you. We've given our offerings, Lord, and we pray that these are pleasing to you and they are acceptable in your sight. We pray, Father, that you would they remind us primarily of the of the blessings you've given us. Father, when the offering plate comes around, we should be reminded. So we pray for the Spirit to remind us, to cause our mind to think how much you've blessed us. Father, I thank you for blessing me. Thank you for blessing me with my salvation, with my my wife with my children, my grandchildren. Thank you for blessing me with this church family. Thank you for blessing me with health. Thank you for just taking care of me every day, providing for my daily needs. Thank you for life to live. Thank you for all the things you pour into me. Thank you for encouraging me when I need it, knowing that you're always there, uh, listening to me when I am either feeling defeated or feeling very victorious. It's all because of you, and I thank you, God, for those blessings, and I pray, Father, that our offerings as a family and as a couple, Lord, are pleasing to you, first of all. And I would ask, Father, you would take our offerings, whether that is in the offering plate itself or whether it's our, from our hearts, ourselves, our very lives. Would you take what we give to you each and every day, and would you use it for your glory? And would you, in turn, bless each person here, Lord? Would you bless us, Father, with your presence this morning as we talk about this subject? Would you, Father, just encourage us to have a different vision, a different view of, of giving, Lord, a better one, a more biblical one, maybe one with more joy. And it all comes because of Christ. That is the whole purpose why we give is because of what Christ has done for us. And so I pray this morning you would instruct and teach all of us and that you would use me for your glory as I speak in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> When it comes to giving, there are several ways of thinking that tend to guide people's actions. One way is to say, I don't have much to give, so I can't give anything. Lots of people say that. So, you know, I don't know if any of you do, but, but there's this idea we have this thing, I don't have much to give, and so I, I, don't, I can't give anything. Another is to make giving legalistic. I have to give a set amount. There's a set amount the Bible says i got to give. This set amount, and that's all I'm going to give. That's legalistic thinking. Third way, and I think this is the best way, is to see our giving as a blessing. Whatever it is you give, whatever it is you can afford to give, whatever you can do in your giving, see it as a blessing. Okay? Can you say amen to that? Thank you, because I'm glad you're all kind of looking at me a little funny here. 
Whatever, whatever we give, regardless of the amount, it's, if it's our best, if it's our best, and you have to decide if it's your best or not, if it's from your heart, if it's given in the spirit of thankfulness, and that's key also, then giving your giving will be a blessing. It will be a blessing to you. It'll be a blessing to others. So our giving ought to be blessing us. I believe this with all my heart. And we need to see our giving to God as a blessing to each of ourselves, to our families, to our church. To be included in God's work, His kingdom work, is a great blessing. Do you realize that, folks? To be included, to give to kingdom work is a blessing. To see the church grow, to see churches planted, to see the kingdom spread, to see more light going out across our country. Do you agree that our country needs more gospel light, more Christian light, more light of Christ? I, th- I think it needs more of it every day. Amen. And to be included in that, to be included in that is a great blessing. Out of the mouth of babes. Yeah. God had Moses tell the Hebrew people they were to give something to God as part of their worship and that they were to give God their best. In Exodus 23, 15, God said, No one is to appear before me empty-handed. So when we come to worship, we should bring something to God, something to give God. In Exodus 23, verse 19, God said this. He said, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. He said, Look, make it the best gift you can. This is God speaking through Moses to the Hebrew people. He's saying, make your gift the very best you can. Now, obviously, I'm not Moses. I don't have the beard. I don't have the stick. Right? So I'm not Moses. You're not the Hebrew people. You're Christians, followers of Christ. America is not ancient Israel. So while the Old Testament law about giving is no longer valid, the principle of the law still is. The spirit of the law of giving is still valid even for the people of God today of the New Testament. So giving is a personal, private act of God, act of worship, I'm sorry. Personal, private act of worship. It's between you and God. It has to be personal because point number one on your outline. Giving is something only God can compel. Giving is something only God can and should compel. No one else should compel you to give. The first half of chapter of 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 8, the first very half is about being generous. Paul talks about being generous a lot. He talks about being sacrificial givers to God through the church. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 and 2. He says, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Paul commended the Macedonian Christians at Corinth. He says, hey, look at these folks over in Macedonia. They turned something that tends to keep people from giving, a hardship, a difficulty, poverty, into the opportunity to richly bless God through generous giving, through sacrificial giving. Now let's look at verse 11. Now finish the work, he says. Now he's talking to the Corinthians. He's saying, now finish the work so that your eagerness, eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. You've made this commitment, Cat Corinthians. You've made this commitment to give. You said, we want to give too. So do it. Let it be matched. He commends them and tells them, give, follow through on your pledge, on your promise. And like I said, no one can compel you to give. Oh, you can be guilted. I could guilt trip you. That's true. Preachers do that a lot sometimes. You can even be manipulated. I've seen 
preachers do that as well, manipulate the group into giving money for something. But you can't be compelled. Nobody can compel you. I can't compel you. Not by a person. You cannot be compelled by a person to give to anything. Only God can compel you to be a generous giver to his word. Notice how Paul ends verse 11. Look at the end of verse 11. He says in verse 11, according to your means. God doesn't expect us to give what we don't have. He doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. That's not an expectation. He just expects us to give something. And he expects us to work that out with him, whatever that is. Tithing is primarily an Old Testament principle. It's the principle of giving. It's, it's how God's taught the, the Old Testament people, here's what I want you to give. The real focus in the New Testament is proportional giving in relation to what you have. That's not quite the same as tithing. You see, some people can give more than the tithe. Some people can give more than the tithe. Many people do. Why do they do that? You would think, why would anybody go and give so much more? And they have to because they feel blessed when they give. You ever feel that way when you're giving something in a love offering or, or just to help somebody? You have that sense of really feeling blessed to be able to do something to help somebody. You know, next to the, the emotion or feeling of love, the feeling of being blessed is, I think, is one of the greatest feelings there is that God gives us. This ability to feel blessed to give. Look with me again at verse 12. For if the willingness is there... If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I like that. If the willingness is there to give what you can give, that's acceptable. The gift is acceptable now. Not according to what you don't have. It's what you have. God doesn't judge anyone for not giving what they don't have to give. He doesn't judge anybody for not giving what they don't have to give. But he won't bless someone who could give but doesn't. That's the key. We have to give to receive this kind of blessing. You see, for giving to feel right, you have to realize how much God has blessed you. You have to think about that. So when next Sunday comes along and you're here and you're giving and you're offering, you need to start thinking about what has God done in your life? Why am I giving this money to the church? What has God really blessed me with? And start counting your blessings like we sang in the song earlier. We need to do that. We need to think about that. Just throwing the check in the in the in the offering plate or the money or whatever you give. That's just that's too casual. You need to you need to make it a personal act of worship. Jesus said it best in Luke chapter 12 verse 40. He said, "From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked." If you've been blessed, I believe you're called to bless others in some way. And I believe God wants you to bless his kingdom work through the church. Point number two, when we give, we are encouraging each other to be generous. Now, here's the thing. As a Baptist church, we have people who count the money. The money gets locked up and gets taken to the bank and it's, and it's, it's safe. No one really knows what you give. So how does that work? Just by the act of giving? Just by showing, by giving and being generous, just by, by the very act of, of giving money to the church to where it pays its bills, has money to do ministries and add ministries to serve people. We're encouraging each other to be generous because there's always things that we can spend money on as a church. The food pantry needs money. The, the land, land fund needs money. 
We need money to pay our bills. We need money to start ministries. So we encourage each other by supporting the work of the church. Look at verse 13 with me. Paul says, There are desires not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Paul was implying there might have been some people in the Corinthian church who might have resented giving to other people if it meant they might have to suffer or or they, they would struggle to meet their needs or meet the needs of their church. In other words, they didn't want to be out of balance. We, we want to help, but man, I don't know if we can give because then we're going to be struggling. Paul's response is in verse 13. At the beginning of verse 13, he says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed. He says, no, that's not why you, you should give. You don't give to, to suffer. You give to help. You give so that others can have relief. Paul's saying to the Corinthians, sacrifice some of what you have to help somebody else who is in need. And by doing this, you will bless them, and there will be equality in the churches. That you can help each other. And that's what we do as Baptists. We help each other meet and do the kingdom work. The cooperative program, we don't talk much about that. But the cooperative program is how we send missionaries all across the world to share the gospel primarily, but also to do medical missions, to do well digging, to do all kinds of things, to plant churches, to do disaster relief, to help give food to people who are in famine. All these things we do through the cooperative program. And here's something else that I really believe. I believe giving at any level takes faith. I, take, I believe it takes faith to give $5. I believe it takes faith to give $500. do not you? Amen? Yeah, it takes faith to give your money away. I believe we can see how strong our faith in God is by our willingness to give up to God and to give to his kingdom work. Are we willing to give to God through the church? It takes faith. Remember what Jesus said about the widow who gave those two little coins, those two little penny coins, copper coins? Luke 21, verse 3 and 4, Jesus was looking at her, and he tells his followers, he says, I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put more in than all the others. And all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Man, Jesus looked at this woman who had just two copper coins, two little penny coins. And said he gave her more praise than all those rich people because she gave all that she had to live on. She trusted God. Giving takes faith. We hold on to things like money, don't we? We tend to do that. We tend to hold on to things because sometimes we don't always trust God for the future. We worry about the future. We wonder what's going to happen. And by doing that, we miss opportunities to bless others who also need to see our faith in action. Remember, we're, at, we're doing this by an act of faith, trusting in God to take care of us and our needs. If you're not giving because you're worried about your financial future, then do something about that. Don't just worry. Don't just sit there and worry. Get out of debt if that's what you have to do. If that's the problem that's holding you back from giving to the kingdom work through the church, then get out of debt. Find a way to make more money. Sell some stuff you have in your attic or in your garage or in your basement. We all have plenty of stuff, right? We all have stuff that we could probably let go of for a few dollars. Just do that. But whatever you do, begin to trust God with your giving and give something back to him. I promise you this. The Bible says this. He won't let you down because he promised to take care of you. The Bible says he'll do this. And Ann and I have stories in our own lives that we can share 
where God has done this in our lives, where we were able to pay our bills and still be able to give. This promise is found throughout the entire Bible that he'll take care of us if we're generous to him. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11, the Bible says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Your giving reflects your spiritual life. Did you know that? Yeah. God will minister to you and help you in your righteousness, help you to be less sinful. You'll be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People in other parts of the world are praising God because you gave the Quapka program. You gave to Lottie Moon. You gave to Annie Armstrong. You gave to Viola Webb. You gave, you gave money away so that somebody else could hear the gospel, so that somebody else could have some hope and food and a place to live. I believe 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, 11. I believe with all my heart. I believe God does this for us. He supplies us so that we can give back. He also ministers to us and helps us spiritually. I also believe this, too, what I'm about to say, point three in your outline. When you give, God will bless you. I believe this. God will bless you when you give. Look at verse 14 with me. Paul says in verse 14, At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. That's encouraging, isn't it? And then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. When you give, God will bless you. Now, I don't like to tell people what they're supposed to give. And I've had people come to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to visit your church. What do you talk about? What do you believe about giving? I always say that's between you and God, and you need to seek God's uh, answer and leading on that. That's not up to me. I don't like to do that. Even when they ask me, I don't like to do that. I don't even like to tell people you should tithe. I don't, I don't think that's my business. Because I believe tithing can limit our giving, don't you? If we're going to be legalistic, tithing is it. I don't have to give any more than that. And I don't want to be legalistic. I want to be led by the Spirit. There will always be opportunities for us to give above and beyond the tithe. Always. Think about our Bridge to Tomorrow Fund. It's paying for our land. That's our land over there. Eight and a quarter acres. That's the church's land over there. Someday, we're going to go over there and we're going to build on our land that God's given us. And someday we're going to go over there and we're going to worship and sing songs on our land. And someday we're going to go and minister to people on our land. God has given us that. He hasn't given us to it right now. We're working on that. God is letting, leading us and, and leading us to trust Him for the future for that. But that's our land. That's our, that's our future out there for Cornerstone. And for that part of town, which there are no churches whatsoever still, after 10 years, there's still no churches up. Isn't that amazing to you? It is amazing to me. There's no churches on the east edge of town, and all that growth is going on over there too. So that is above and beyond the tithe, above and beyond your regular giving if you can't tithe. There will always be opportunities for us to give beyond the tithe. Don't be tied to the tithe. What about love offerings to help people? Think about it. Jake Evans, he's a, he works on the campus. He serves the faculty, and he tries to minister to them and minister to the grad students. Tom Bavard and Randy, they came here a few weeks ago. Tom, Randy, Lucy, they go to the prisons throughout Kansas and try to minister to the prisoners of Kansas and the prisons. What about the Gideons who come in once a year or so, and they, they give out Bibles freely? They don't charge for that. 
we give them money to help buy those Bibles so they can give them away. Those are, those are love offerings that we give so that other people can hear the gospel, so that other people can be ministered to above and beyond our regular giving. There's always going to be opportunities. What about our family members or friends or neighbors or coworkers who need help through an emergency? Ever knew anybody who had, had something bad happen to them and they needed some help, some short-term help? Are we not going to help them? Of course we are. We're going to help our family and friends and neighbors and coworkers. We're going to help them. So our giving shouldn't be about meeting a certain requirement, a tithe. Don't be tied, like I said, to the tithe. Listen to something Jesus said when he talked about forgiving others. He said, be abundant in your, give, in your forgiving others. This can also be applied to any form of giving, including financial giving. Luke 6, verse 38, Jesus said, Give will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That can be used in any way you want. How do you want to, how do you, how do you want to be treated by others? Treat them that way. How do you want God to treat you? You treat God that way. You want to be blessed? Then be a blessing. And this is the attitude God has towards us. We just need to think about this. If we're generous givers, what, what, whatever the amount is, God in turn will be generous to us. Not as a bribe, but as a reward. He'll be generous with his love for you. He'll be generous with his forgiveness for your sins. He'll be generous with his protection of you, with his resources so that you're taken care of too. Like I said, I can't compel any of you. I can't compel one of you to give anything to the church. That's between you and God. But I would ask you to consider what the Bible has to say about giving. And then ask yourself these four basic questions. Is your giving in proportion to what you've been given by God? Are you trying to bless others the way he's blessing you? Are you as generous as you can be? I think we need to examine ourselves there. Does your giving encourage others? It should. And do you have faith that God will respond to your giving? I think he will. The Bible says that he will. Whatever the gift is, it will be acceptable if it's given with the right heart and if it's the best you can do. That's what I love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't say give $100 every week. It does say give. If you can say yes to those questions, you have nothing to feel guilty about. Nothing whatsoever. But that's between you and God, not between you and me. The Bible also tells us that someday all of us will give an accounting to God at the end of time. God's not going to look at your checkbook register. He doesn't care about that. He's going to look at your life. In Romans 14, verse 11 and 12, it's written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. Everybody will bow before God. The most righteous Christian and the most wicked sinner. Paul then goes on and he says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. God's going to open up the book of our life, and he's going to go over our lives, the life that he gave us to live. The words we said, the way we said them, the way we treat other people. God will examine how we responded to his blessings in our own lives. What did we do with the resources he gave us for, to use for his purposes and his glory? You see, God doesn't just give to you to take care of your daily needs. He gives to you resources so that you can use them for his purposes and his glory too. And the more you release that, the more he'll give of that to you to give away.
and the more he'll bless you and take care of you. Our, invita our invitation song today is Open My Eyes. It's a really good song. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. You know, this song is so really true for today. We need God to open our eyes, to take those scales off of our eyes so that we can see God working around us and in our lives and in the lives of the people of our community, our neighborhood, our families. We need, a, we need God to take the scales off, open our eyes so we can see him working. Because I guarantee you, God is at work today in our lives. Thank you. You have a good week.